this opening to the podcast, like the pre-roll oh, credits. <laughs> I thought maybe I'm saying has something interesting here. <laughs> as I was saying, I think it's it's going to be one of the most important topics to influence uh, commerce in the next ten years. to the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. Today, we're talking about sustainability, sustainability in wine, episode 25. Um, we have our insiders back, our full slate of insiders. We have Jonathan from Bottle Books. Oh. Lori from Outshinery. Hi, everyone. Seb from Trolley. Good to be here, guys. And Nick from Wine Owners. Hello. Okay, let's nice, get started nice, on sustainability. Nice and what it means for wine. Um, well, then I'm just, just before we start, David, uh, I just thought we should, while the sustainability topic is hugely interesting, uh, as of recording this 24 hours ago, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and I really don't think it's a topic that we're going to uh, go too deep into, uh, but I wanted to acknowledge uh, that overall, while there are different political forces at play here, um, I do believe uh, that ultimately that kind of a move, democratically speaking, uh, in a global society, uh, I don't believe is acceptable. Uh, so my, my thoughts, I'm not going to say my thoughts and prayers, but my thoughts <laughs> are definitely going towards the uh, Ukraine people and the moves that the different political um, forces are making trying to stop this. So, yeah, let's move on. Well, I mean, it 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 could have an impact. You know, Russia's a substantial substantial market for a lot of producers, um, and um, they're talking about closing off payments and financial. Um, so, uh, I mean, we'll see how it develops, and and obviously we'll get back to it if if it if it really starts to affect the wine world. Um, but uh, I mean, it could affect. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, it would be great to see this sort of mobilization towards sustainability that people are putting towards this as well, because it's, uh, you know, it shows that large countries can, even with a slightly difference of opinions or nuanced opinion, they can come together and, and stand together and really focus on tackling a single topic. And, you know, so it shows it's possible that where there's a will, there's, you know, you can, you can move forward on a, there is you can move step into a particular topic yeah oh yeah okay so first question um what what is sustainability in wine what does it mean million dollar question isn't it <laughs> you know it's so interesting because i was obviously doing a bit of like research preparing my notes before recording of this podcast and so there's, of course, sustainability, but also like biodynamic, there's organic, there's B Corp. And it's just, and I like to think I'm on top of everything, but sometimes I can see even in my own mind. So even like I could imagine the minds of consumers, like it can be quite confusing um, that way. So, I mean, I won't answer like just like right away, like what is sustainability? But I think it's worth acknowledging right at the onset that I think sustainability is used almost as an the big umbrella uh, that is just has like a lot of potential things underneath. Some of the things are actually not related. One of the realities is like a lot of sustainable wineries also follow organic 
and biodynamic like practices like you know like it's just like you can see like the values are shared but uh, I think yeah I think defining what is sustainable um, and what does what does that mean for the industry and I think what does that mean to the consumer I think there can be a bit of a disconnect here just um, what does it mean for the consumer <laughs> what do you think the consumer do, are they clicking, they're um, searching for sustainable wines or? I, I, think, I think what Laurie mentioned is interesting because one of the challenges and, and potentially one of the, um, the potential pitfalls is really the fact that the definition of sustainability kind of varies between countries and the understanding of what it means also varies. Um, this being said, broadly, we're looking at having a quote, sustainable supply chain, meaning there is as little waste and there's a, a circular kind of a thought process here where we're, we're giving back to the planet as much as we're consuming off the planet. Um, and from a consumer standpoint, I think we, we need to be very mindful that, look, our generations, right, anyone in the mid 30s going up, we more or less grew up with some idea of sustainable practices slash green slash um, recyclable. Uh, what we underestimate broadly, I believe, is that the newer generations have a, a significantly different set of values. And to them, it's not even an option uh, mm -hmm. to, to buy um, anything which is you know, wasteful. Uh, and so the, the decision at the front from consumers to buy into sustainable practices and sustainable products is not a decision which is just kind of happening right now. Uh, there's been a number of different uh, studies and, and market analysis of the, over the last five to 10 years, uh, which have identified that as being a significant um, approach to how consumers decide on what to buy, right? So it's, not, it's, not, it's nothing new. It's been there for quite a while. And consumers today, the newer generations of buyers, it's not even an option, right? I mean, if there is the option, they will pay more. If there is an option, they will buy sustainable. If there is an option, they're going to try and look up and find out and figure out how good is this product for the planet versus, oh, it's a bit cheaper or it's on discount or, you know what I mean? Um, so it's definitely something which is happening right now. I was looking at different certifications around the globe and a lot of them have existed for 15 to 20 years, right? Um, and so it's nothing new. It's really nothing new, except right now it's driving a significant amount of consumption, right? We're seeing not only COVID before COVID, and COVID has only just accelerated uh, the whole process. Consumers, uh, we're, we're now talking 70 to 85%, depending on what studies and, and what papers you're reading. 70 to 85% of consumers want sustainable products. Right, because they see, but I think it's also the want sustainable product and I put myself in that bucket because I don't want to flip on that. Like I do not want to buy a product that is terrible for the planet, right? Like I think this, like it's almost, like I don't know if people are like, sustainable is a, is a, is a word, like, right? Like the definition of it, but I'm wondering if people, yeah, consumers, it's just like, oh, I just don't want to buy something that's overtly polluting or overtly bad. Like, it's it just like, like it's, in, it's interesting that way. Yeah. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it's, we see this across the, um, 
events area, um, especially as the return to the physical events. And um, like we thought that um, in particular getting rid of um, that one of the things that would happen with COVID and moving a lot of events online was that would um, move people away from print catalogs. Um, and what we saw is actually a far faster move away from print catalogs um, now that we are going back to physical um, mm -hmm. events that this is, um, this is also what associations are demanding of their agencies. Um, we have the first instances of the associations demanding that their agencies print nothing or print no catalogs at all um, and use just a minimal amount of paper. So, um, you know, it's been around for a while, uh, but it, it seems that some things have come together and the people who are in control of the purse strings, the ones who are able to, you know, facilitate changes in parts of the industry that they're involved in, they, they seem to be choosing this moment to start pulling on those purse strings and, and catalyzing change, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Nick, um, what about in the high end of the market? It, is sustainability something that's there? Do you see uh, less heavy bottles or are they still big, you know, is, is a heavy <laughs> bottle still the sign of a great wine or is it, uh, are you seeing any indications from the top end of the market that, that they care about this? So to answer your specific questions, I, I think the weight and size of a bottle is probably a sign of ambition more than anything else. Um, ambition and talent don't always go together, unfortunately. Um, I, I totally am with Laurie on this whole question of what does it mean? Because I think we have a situation right now, however admirable the goal is, and clearly it is, uh, both in terms of you know, um, the consumer concerns and motivations for buying things and also the marketing and positioning efforts of, of businesses that adopt it. Um, I think we've got a challenge. I think the challenge is you've got, you've got lots of standards, can I say it sort of broadly speaking. You've got lots of organizations who purport to be in a position to set and to um, uh, check on the application of those standards, some of which seems to me to be quite difficult to check. Um, you and, and I think that you've got different concerns in different geographies. So mm -hmm. for example, um, you know, um, the issue of use of water is not, is a non-issue in Europe because it is forbidden to, <laughs> um, to, to irrigate um with with water whereas clearly it is an issue in 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 california for example and the question of whether that, that's incredibly wasteful uh, uh, and um um and, and in and in fact uh, i i suppose ethical in in a in a state mm -hmm. which from time to time runs out of water for its residents mm -hmm. um uh, and, and i note that there are lots of sort of things that certain wineries do but but i don't ever see for example the sort of the formation of underground uh reservoirs that feed into ponds where the roots of plants cleanse the water as as something that's probably going to end up in a sustainability standard um and in a funny sort of way it sort of reminds me of 
the extent to which the classification system in Saint-Emilion has become more and more elaborated over time to the extent that the people who were the um, benchmarks for that appellation have gone, you know what, we're actually not going to bother anymore. We're, we're going to exit the classification altogether because I think they had felt it had become so meaningless and discredited. Mm. They didn't really want to um, have the association with it anymore. Um, so I think the answer, so there are two answers. So, so to answer your question, I, I think the motivations are the same. The generational um, um, demands of uh, of uh, Gen Gen Z and all the rest of it are are totally totally in sync. Whether you're drinking smart bottles or not so smart bottles, I suspect that um, there are far less concerns at one level. That is to say, let's say the level of is your winery sustainable. Um, because in a small producer that's making 30,000 or, or perhaps 60,000 bottles in Burgundy, the size of their winery and their use of energy is, is, um, is, is probably quite um, insignificant compared mm -hmm. to some of the sort of really big organizations, um, um, you know, processing grapes through, through um, you know, their, their very large setups. Um, so I think I think the consumer motivations are the same. I think the the desire to align is the same. So you know you, you, where there is money, and and an ambition to to um, um, to improve the quality of what a producer is doing, they will spend money on those things. I think examples are. Uh, for example, Chateau de Montrose in, 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 in Bordeaux, Ponte Cali in Bordeaux um, are a couple of really good examples, but they've got proper money um, to do this stuff. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, the, mo the, the motivations are the same. The question is, what does sustainability mean? And it means different things depending on where you are, depending on whether you're a big producer, depending on whether you're a small producer, um, and, um, and, and depending on climate. You know, um, the approach, the ability to embrace um, biodynamism in the south <laughs> of France is a lot easier than if you're in a soggier climate further north. So but, but like I how think... do you reconcile all of these disparate realities into something that a set of consumers can understand and translate into something that actually means something rather than just a word. And I don't know what the answer is to that. But uh, look, I, th I think the challenge you're highlighting is strictly based on the fact that wine is one of the, well, one of the few, one of the few truly global product, right? You will find South African, Australian wines in Russia, you know, of all places. Um, but this being said, there is not dozens of certifications when it comes to wine, right? Wine is never going to be energy star compliant. Wine is never going to be, you know, something which is not farming related. So the, the only certifications that we're looking at here in terms of sustainability is really towards farming, towards organic. And there's a handful of those, not a whole bunch of them. Um, and the challenge is really that 
large businesses making wine, I don't think the concept of sustainability is do we irrigate or do we not irrigate, right? Uh, ultimately, it's all about the, the standards is really all about how do you manage your producing operation? How do you manage, how do you source goods, right? Um, and a lot of these standards are effectively far more towards making sure you've got fail safe and checks in the process far more than the actual recipe do you put a bit more of that grape or a bit more of this grape of course no, no, of course because but, but, but isn't the danger then that you end up with programs that have effectively be designed by the bigger producers and that therefore they are effectively telling the producers what the what the criteria for selection are when they're completely irrelevant in most cases to smaller producers yeah i mean look it's it's ultimately the process of making a product is fairly similar although there's some steps which scale more or less uh, but we do have a challenge right now where it's been identified in a number of places where large companies large producers are far more on top of that trend than small producers because small producers look they have to run their sales their marketing their technology their production they have to run everything right it's it's a lot of effort um, but it is so so ultimately all of these kind of a trends large companies are more on top of it smaller producers while they're not as aware it's our responsibility as a group of suppliers to try and help the different actors the different producers be on top of it uh, and ultimately you know, being being organic certified, USDA certified in, in the US, being ISO, farming management is 1400. Um, so there is a certification process. It's not an expensive process. You just need to be trained. You just need to have your business assessed and that's pretty straightforward. Um, but ultimately, I also think from a sales and marketing perspective, as smaller producers, there is a number of different ways that we can start surfacing a more sustainable, more ethical um, business practice. You know what I mean? I was talking to, I have a winery in Texas. I have, we have at Trolley, we are working with multiple customers. Um, but we have a winery in Texas who installed, instead of having, they have their wine clubs, right? They have their tasting room, cellar door, where you can sample the wines they've installed a $5 discount per bottle that consumers bring back, right? So instead of buying a new bottle, irrespective of the weight of the bottle, instead of buying a new bottle, they're effectively telling customers, you know what? If you bring, for every bottle you're bringing back, you're getting five bucks off your next purchase, right? So ultimately they, they're saving there's no recycling cost. The consumer is acting uh, in a green kind of a fashion, bring the, the bottle back. And they're maintaining the relationship with these consumers. And they're actually creating, from a marketing standpoint, they're creating a huge talking point uh, in the community. So I think there's a number of, of really interesting ways that smaller producers can start differentiating themselves. Uh, yeah. Wine is dominated by small producers right? Broadly speaking, and wine does travel cross borders. So when you're looking at CO2, when you're looking at uh, the overall sustainability of supply chain for wine, 
it's never going to be that straightforward, right? It's impossible mm -hmm. to have strictly local wine consumptions around the globe. Well, even I was, you know, looking at stats and everything, and obviously I know that the famous glass bottle, like heavy or not heavy, if you just look at the carbon footprint of wine, like it still is at 28 or 29%. Like it's just like, just this reminder of such, such a high number. Uh, one thing I wanted also to kind of point out, because I think I don't want to miss that more like on the marketing of sustainable wine, is also like having this consciousness of, you know, not just being virtue signaling or like in that case, like greenwashing. I think it's just something to, I don't have like the full solution, but like, you know, suppliers have to walk the talk as well. And that is why, you know, often a sustainable winery will also be organic or biodynamic because it, it ties in together. But like the, there's a real danger of greenwashing. So I just got the definition of greenwashing. So we're all on the you know, same page. Greenwashing is deceptively claiming that its products and policies are more environmentally friendly than in fact are. And I think this is um, something we need to keep in mind because again, like the especially younger generation, like they can smell the bullshit as well. You know, like it's just, even when I see sometimes, uh, you know, like Chilean wine, really crazy cheap and all of these things as well. Like, you know, there's been like warning signal. So just something to keep in mind as well. And I don't know if it's putting like more certified badges or something, but greenwashing, not just in the world of wine, it happens across the board in the consumer goods. And it's, you know, is organic cotton coming from, you know, the one region like that much better? It's organic, but do you want it? <laughs> no, right? Like, so it's just, like, it's just kind of like, it's just like, it's an interesting yeah, we are a global society. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th I think one of the challenges that you're, you're highlighting is um, with regards to the overall supply chain, right? So there are some mechanism by which we're capable of certifying or, or having some sort of a structure around production, right? We can certify a vineyard. We can certify how cotton is being grown in a certain country. The challenge is in the supply chain, how transparent is the consumer at the very end able to look back? Um, and that's where, look, there's a concept of fair trade. We've, right. we've heard, look, I grew up with fair trade coffee in the <laughs> 80s and the 90s. I remember the logo and everything totally, yeah. Correct. And, and, <laughs> To this day, look, the concept of fair trade is still kind of a blurring around. I don't feel it's yeah. as used as it should be, yeah. right, overall, because we know, as you mentioned, that some cotton, you just don't want to fucking touch it, right? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, look, there, there is a challenge with regards to greenwashing. Absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. I also think as a society every move, every trends, every patterns we're going through is a bit of a balancing act, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and right now we're trying to push, it might go to a point where the current certifications are just overused and, and don't really mean anything. We're gonna bring that back to tighten it up a bit. Uh, but we know there's definitely a trend uh, and everyone in, in the world of wine today needs to look at how their business is running and whether they're capable of being ethically more responsible 
um, and promote this in some yes. way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. So and just like yeah, and just just to put like a word to that, like more in the word of like business, like that's often what is called nowadays, like the triple bottom line, right? Like to just like profit people and the planet. Like at the end of the day, those are businesses that are here to make money, and I don't think consumers think. We're all good with that. Like that's just how the planet runs. Like you know how the society economy runs. But like, shouldn't we like at the detriment of you know the planet as a whole? And then yeah, like the people like working the land and making the product happen. So I think that's what yeah, triple bottom line. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, a lot of this. Yeah, I think a lot of this. I mean, there's the the certifications and the and the. And the softer ways of managing sustainability, it's um, what I think it ultimately both helps or also demonstrates the necessity of is that uh, regulations, uh, the regulatory environment also has to keep moving forward because, um, you know, if you want to, like the best way to start a recycling program is that the government requires that boxes contain 10% recycled uh, cardboard or paper. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there is a market for recycled cardboard. You can build a business around recycled uh, cardboard. Um, and of course you need to, you know, there's gonna be costs for people and involved in, in doing these things, which is where you get the consumer pushback. But I think like it's, you can't really move those regulations forward when the, when the consumers haven't already showed shown some interest in it so i think this even if the certifications can sometimes get watered down over time if you can tell the story of well the consumer understands now sustainability because we can show this growth in the sustainability market it gives politicians and perhaps a bit more um, confidence in passing something that a few years ago might have not been accepted by their uh, constituents but it's it's uh, um, yeah ultimately everything's or there's a your pocketbook plays a very like an outsized influence on whatever you do whether you're whether you're a business or a consumer um obviously you people can have some preferences but um it's uh, a completely free market there's always going to be um yeah a very wide variance out there nick um this this um uh, is this sustainability is it something that uh, winemakers, wine owners, wineries understand deeply. I mean, there's we, we we've talked before how how wine is one of the most affected industries by by climate change, um, and you know you're talking about an industry with the owner, um, the the manager, everybody is in the field. You know, they're in the fields. They're they're they they see, they feel nature around them does does that make it, it do you think that that plays a role in this uh it, it probably does as does scale as we were discussing earlier um uh but i think then sustainability starts to mean slightly different things to them it kind of means um you know uh how they how they how they look after the vines because after all they spend most of their time to your point in them um it, it's how they you know it's how they wild the vineyards it's how they think in terms of minimal intervention minimal use of um um uh fertilizers um 
which you know are becoming you know um, less and less applied in places like Burgundy. Um, and it's about how they are um, how they're tending their vines as well. you know increasingly we see, we see people who are not doing ronyage, you know, not cutting the top of the vines off, but are letting them um, letting them shoot and braiding the vines and doing all that kind of stuff. And I think that they would consider that to be sustainability. They would consider the minimal addition of sulfur just before bottling as being sustainability, significantly reducing uh, the amount that's put in the bottle um, with probably very similar effects in terms of stability and considerably less headaches experienced amongst consumers. Um, they'd see choosing the DM with green kind of plant-based glue in it as being, you know, an important choice over the old DM. So I think those are the sorts of things that they're really focused on. Um, and, you know, and, and of course, they want to insulate their winery and make sure that they're as efficient as possible. But they're probably not the ones who are, you know, um, I don't know, uh, building, um, um, uh, you know, sort of green energy um, banks of um, you know, windmills and God knows what else that the, the bigger the bigger producers probably would be thinking in terms on because they're, they're thinking in terms of, you know, construction and scale to solve bigger problems. And, and so so when we're talking about sustainability, we, we, we jumped upon this, too. Um, and I think maybe it's a bit of the opposite of you're talking about, Laurie. Um, so maybe I'll go to you on this one. Um, but what if you genuinely are trying to be sustainable? Uh, first of all, like where, where, where do you start? And maybe, maybe to Nick's point, it depends what region you're in, but, but how, how do you communicate that? I mean, is it certification we talked about? Is it the story that you have? Is it the label? Is it the packaging? If you, you know, if you have a paper bottle or something crazy, or, I mean, where, where, how do you communicate to, because, you know, as we are talking before, maybe even the word sustainable is a bit fuzzy in everybody's yeah. mind. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend that I have the solution. One thing we have seen at Outchannery is more and more like uh, info about like badges and certification like appearing on the back label. It's almost like between like the mandatory or like the number of like, like it's, it's really like, there's not much, space left for actual copy describing the wine like with the barcode and everything it's just logo 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 um we need there. to find so the like space with... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, as, as designers it's just like oh goodness yeah exactly um, you figure it out <laughs> um so th that's kind of interesting what's also interesting is we're seeing it at, like like a, a client and that's more required required from the channel of distribution before, like when we started out Channery five years ago, four years ago, like we were only doing front bottle shots because that was the ID card of the product. That's what the consumer wanted to, you know, recognize and see. What's interesting is I would say now almost close to 50% and growing every month of our customers are doing front and back bottle shots uh, as part of the ID card because people, 
um, I mean, first channels like uh, like retailers or like like Instacart and everything like they require both. So it's driving that demand like you might as well. But it's also because that back label is holding so much precious information. Before it was just a barcode. Who cares? Nobody's going to read it. But now you have, you know, is it life certified? Is it sustainable? Is it B Corp? Like we see more and more of that. And then in the even more recently, I would say in the last three months, especially starting January, we have redone a lot of original from bottle shop. Technically, the design hasn't changed, but there is like, um, I won't give name, but like, you know, like so it's all the same, but then suddenly, um, sustainable farming practice, I think they had it a bit shorter, but it only used to be at the back. And now it's, you know, below the appellation, like, you know, you have the wine name, the vintage appellation, sustainable, like that's been moved to the front. Uh, you know, in the front, like in the front, so it looks like it belongs to the label. Like it's not like a, you know, a logo or an icon that you don't control. Uh, and I suspect this will happen more and more. So I'm not saying I have the solution, but that's what I've seen. Like some of, yeah, floated to the front in a way that is part of the design, like integral and more and more badges and copy related to sustainability and kind of like wearing it more proudly and communicating communicating it more broadly across all channels um yeah do you think you'll ever see someone flip the labels and put the front on the back and the back on the front well actually if you're in the u.s it's a it's a designer trick you pretend this is your front but it's a back because you have to put some mandatory so i mean everybody knows but like um but yeah like it's, it's kind of like interesting just to see like you know so right now it's like we see 20 percent of what used to be at the back being you know, move to the front, but I'm just wondering how, how far will it go? I think we have one winery that I'm pretty sure they moved their B Corporation logo, like the icon of B Corp to the front label. It used to be at the back. Um, so like, it's just, it's just kind of interesting. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking those wineries are also testing to see how it's received, right? Like, I, like, like, I don't know, but like, it's, yeah, like it, it's just fascinating, um, but it just shows how like, it matters and it matters in the eye of consumer. And I think also, and this is more in the world of, not the world of wine, but I see it more in the world of um, like other product, like maybe fashion or accessories, kind of also translating what it means. Cause I think sometimes it's just like a bit abstract. So for example, you know, like we've all seen, like I have this like laptop backpack and like, oh, like this is made out of, memory here like 22 recycled bottle like this is what it means so i would be curious to see if there's going to be a bit of a trend for wineries because we had to just kind of like put it in metaphor or whatever you want to call it so that it actually speaks to the consumer because i think at the end of the day and i think that's the beauty of wine but every consumer has a romanticized version of what it is to run a winery and what that means and yeah, so just kind of like translating it and meaning like, oh, like we're doing it that way so that it's less um, polluting than the average, you know, standard. Like just kind of like helping, putting an understanding. And I'll just finish with that thought that I was having when we were discussing. Part, part of me is wondering, you know, like the boom of natural wine that we saw like a couple of years ago, I think it should slow down a little bit. I'm wondering if this boom like was also not because they were bit better as a category of wine at claiming what they were 
not compared to what they were, right? Like where we're not adding these kind of things. We are not, you know, so I'm, I'm just wondering, like, was it a way for consumers to actually get then what they were not? And like, yep, yeah, that I want to put my dollar behind that more than taste, more than, I don't know, like, it's, it's interesting. Like, I think you can define something by what it is. And I think it's tricky, as we just saw, to define what is sustainable. But it might be easier sometimes what it is not. And I think, I don't know, I don't have the answer, but I find it fascinating and important. Yeah, look, it's, it's interesting because I was reading about a, a restaurant uh, in Montreal, right? So it's completely fucking left field here. Um, but the whole point is that in terms of garbage collection in Montreal, if you have a certain amount of garbage, you basically need to organize your own collection, right? As a restaurant. Uh, and the restaurant owner was basically saying, okay, we started telling our patrons, we started telling consumers, we are not, whatever you leave on your plate, we are not throwing it in the bin. We are paying for that to be composted properly. So please be mindful. Don't order too much. And if you want to share a plate, go ahead and share a plate. And that business actually cut their cost over three years in half uh, with regards to how much waste was being generated by the restaurant. And I agree with Laurie, right? Ultimately, there's a bunch of different badges and certification and there's different ways of looking at it. The challenge is to communicate it, right? If you're a producer, if you're anyone in the chain, if you're interested in, in being a B Corp certified, make sure you're communicating it. If you're interested, if you are certified in some way, or if you have special practices you're doing that your neighbor doesn't do, do communicate it. Have a page on your website explaining how you see ethical consumption and production. Uh, and, and David, you've mentioned a couple of times the glass bottles. It is interesting because I personally don't think the wine industry is, is really capable of adapting to new packaging, right? The glass bottle has been there for so long. I mean, it's just so romantic, the pop of the cork. But I also think packaging and sustainability and how we package stuff goes beyond the bottle. Right, those little paper bag for a single bottle that you walk into a winery and, and they put your bottle into a single paper bag that you may reuse but may not. Look, paper bags, recyclable, yeah, but they're not sustainable overall if they're used only once, right? So packaging and sustainability in the packaging goes beyond just what the wine is in, but everything else that goes around the bottle, right? Um, and so there's a lot of different things that we can do. I think communication is probably needs to be at the heart of it. Everyone needs to sit down and have a think as to how do they think their brand is sustainable? How can we improve our practices to be less consuming and more circular in terms of an economy, right? Like bring, as a consumer, bring your bottle back. Brilliant fucking marketing mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. and ultimately communicate that. Make sure your staff is aware of it. Make sure everyone in the chain, every distributor, everyone who's actually dealing with your product is aware of what you stand for. Uh, and that is at the absolute starting point. And then we can worry about, you know, is that certification better than this certification? Any final thoughts, Jonathan, Nick, 
no perfect look okay. it's, it's it's overall i think i think it's a topic it's a topic that we should probably try and, and stay on top of every couple of weeks every couple of months uh, the 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 numbers i was reading with regards to consumption i am i am almost worried that the current generations are missing out on the needs of the next generations mm -hmm. right and we're seeing the next generation right now right the gen z the millennials the the next generations they are now the biggest consumer and us guys look i'm i'm a 20 year old puppy right but ultimately <laughs> we're all we're all now the older generation and we need to stay on top of what the newer generation demands and feels and looks at and how they consume because they are the biggest part today irrespective as to you know how how expensive how luxurious how they are the biggest buyer of wine today and well story. that was episode 25 of the wine tech insiders podcast about sustainability thank you again jonathan from bottle books Lori from outshinery seb from trolley and nick from wine owners we'll see you all again in a few weeks catch you later guys Thanks.